0: There is no roadmap for what is happening in the world today, but the more informed you are, the better your chances are for successfully navigating these uncertain times. This is why the registry continues to bring its real estate news coverage to keep you informed and better prepared to meet the challenges of the industry. We can only do this because of generous readers who support our work. Thank you to your commitment to journalism, especially now. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join us at RegistrySF.com in San Francisco and at RegistryPS.com in Seattle. You should not be thinking about opening your office post-COVID before you speak with our next guest. A creative and innovative industry veteran, Lori Sewell, rose through the ranks at Servicon since she joined the company in 1988, working in payroll, supplies, inventory control and distribution and appointed president of Servicon in 2008. She oversaw a management restructuring in 2014 that led to her further appointment as CEO in 2015. The enterprise she leads is a commercial cleaning company based in Southern California with operations throughout the Western United States. As you can imagine, her business has been growing as of late, but it's her approach to her workers and their culture that has helped the company achieve success. So to learn more about that, welcome Lori. People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach, whether it's world-class restaurants, theater, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among other industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result? An unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at www.hacienda.org. Lori, good afternoon. How are you?
1: Hi, Vlad. I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm well. I'm well. Where do we find you today?
1: You find me in Northridge, California, in my home, as many of us are right now.
0: Yes. Presumably everyone's home is now turned into into a functional office slash school slash <laughs> healthcare facility and everything else, right?
1: Functional is is, you know there's a scale of yes right there. there's a, there's a spectrum <laughs> there
0: of right exactly um well lori thank you for taking the time to speak with us um as uh, as kind of an introduction to to your firm and and to you would would you mind telling us a little bit about servicon you know your role there what you guys do how long you've been there and kind of you know where your sphere of influence is in the um commercial real estate space
1: sure happy to uh so Since 1973, uh, Servicon has been a privately held company. We are women-owned, and we provide custodial, environmental, and maintenance services, primarily to complex facilities in the healthcare, the aerospace, municipalities, and the commercial real estate sectors. We are currently in 12 states. The density of our work is primarily performed in Southern California today, and we employ uh, over 1,600 people. So uh, while custodial maintenance services is the work that we do, we, you know, we're, I'm a big fan of, you know, the why of what we do and, and why we do it is to elevate the people and the work that they do in our industry and, and to protect lives. So in essence, I like to say we're a people company who cleans. Yeah. Um, I've been in the organization, I'm the CEO, president and CEO. I've been with the organization since the late 80s, which... I like to say, is when I was a teenager. Um, but <laughs> you were the first <laughs> teenager in...
0: CEO at the, at the company, yes? Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, <you> know, <laughs> it took me a little while to get to that role, which is funny because I've kind of worked in all facets of our company and our industry, not just um, on the service side, which is you know, obviously where I spend most of my time now, but manufacturing, distribution, um, but all primarily in um, the maintenance industry, cleaning and maintenance industry. What I'm primarily responsible for is our vision, um, our culture, and obviously all the other things that CEOs are held accountable for, like growth and profitability. Our, our founder's wife, kind of an interesting thing about our company, is our founder's wife was a doctor of psychology, and my post-grad work was in organizational behavior. So I think that's largely the reason why our company is so focused on the human aspect of our business. And why we place such emphasis on maintaining a healthy, positive co- corporate culture. So, you know, as we talk, probably you'll hear a lot of things about, you know, our people, elevating our work, the importance of our work, and that's really you know comes from the foundation of you know our, our core beliefs.
0: Yeah, that is extremely interesting, and I'm actually going to come back to that um, in a in a in a way as we evolve our conversation. But obviously, with you know COVID and the pandemic in which we're all kind of you know living, the world in which you are, um, I would suspect probably all of a sudden has gotten you know a, a lot more important and a lot more visibility than than perhaps in in the past. Can can you kind of maybe draw kind of a you know line for us in terms of you know how your industry was was evolving over the last I don't know decade or so. And then let's jump into kind of this, you know, you know, COVID and sort of post-COVID world.
1: Well, sad to say, you know, the past 10 to 12 years, our industry and and, prim, and, and most most importantly in, in the commercial real estate industry, our business has been kind of relegated to a really um, a line item in the budget um, that was to be, you know, minimized as much as possible. And, and so we saw a big reduction in frequencies and scope of work uh, from the, the, the days of you know, cleaning and vacuuming everything daily, to weekly, to some people going twice a week, to monthly. I mean, really just um, a focus on cleaning for appearance so that if it looked clean, it was clean. Was kind of the the opinion of of you know a lot of a lot of the organizations yeah. that that um, our industry serves, and that's that's across that's wholesale across the board for everyone, except you know somebody like healthcare where they they really see the connectivity between the work that we do and their patient outcomes. Um, and so I've seen in the past ten years, there, there's still a big a lot of pressure to to lower the costs, and, and in our work really the largest portion of our cost is labor. So the only way to reduce costs is to reduce labor, which means reducing how frequently we do things. I mean, there's a certain amount you can get with efficiencies and equipment, but there's a limit to that. And so that's kind of been the state of the industry up until recently. Um, our industry and, and our company in particular has been really focused on changing the perception and the value of clean to, it's not for appearance, it's for health. And it's not just for health in a healthcare environment, it's for health in any environment, in any office setting. The work we do dramatically impacts the indoor air quality and the health of the occupants in that building. But it's been kind of banging a gong really loud that nobody's listening yeah. to, unfortunately. And when uh COVID you know kind of arose and 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 um people started understanding the science of it and the science of transmission. And the fact that it it doesn't know the difference between a healthcare facility and an office building, right? Coronavirus acts the same regardless of what facility you're in. They started realizing and you know that, oh, we need to up the level of cleanliness. We need to raise our standards um, to ensure that the people that work in these buildings are safe, that that it's a safe and healthy environment. The challenge in that was some of these facilities had reduced their frequencies so much that they weren't, weren't, they, they're harder to disinfect because in order to disinfect, you have to clean first and the load on that surface has to be clean. Right. So if you've got dust and dirt and particulate matter, that's been there for a period of time, you have really got a lot of work to do before you can even get to the, to the work of disinfecting. You can't just go in and spray it with disinfectant and and think that's going to work. That's not how it works. So they're recognizing that one they, they need to bring up the level of cleanliness to effectively disinfect, and then hopefully they really should bring up the level of cleanliness in general um, to keep the environment safe and healthy, whether it's flu season, a pandemic or you know you know just a regular you know given average year so that's that's really where we were, and now this is where we've come to
0: right so so it's safe to to assume that you know you were kind of you know, going through this world, having sort of a hard time persuading people, you know, the level (laughs) of cleanliness that needed to be maintained. And, you know, uh, maybe you reminded them of their mothers or or grandmothers. (laughs) And maybe that was all
1: different kind of tactics. Maybe that was part
0: of it as well. But, you know, um, one way or another, um, you know, the world has come now to, uh, you know, really this uh, point in time where all of that energy and effort and work is now sort of, you know, here it is. Told you so. This is why it's mm-hmm. important and the world now really has to pay attention to this. So tell us, you know, how, you know, wh- what does this mean for you guys? You know, how how did did this change your world starting March and, you know, how did you as a company, you know, make yourself ready to take over into into this whole new realm?
1: So I'd say we had a bit of an advantage um Uh, coming into a circumstance like this from a couple of avenues. One is we healthcare is one of the verticals that we serve. So we already know how to do something that we call is terminal cleaning in the healthcare environment where we're cleaning spaces that an infectious um, patient has, has left. So we understood the processes of how to clean when there was, there would be a COVID positive um, case at one of our clients. So we were pretty quick to pivot. I mean, early, early March, we trained about 20, 25 of our people, very specifically outside of our healthcare group, because our healthcare group is really, I mean, that group is, we grew, I mean, we added, I think, 100 employees to that group since March, um, just because of the increased need. Yeah. Um, so we, we brought in people from our other industries and trained them and said, look, this is this is the type of cleaning that we're going to be needing to do at at all of these locations when our customer has a COVID positive. And so we had an advantage to be able to, and we also had the advantage of having some of the equipment that uh, was was necessary to do this kind of work and do it efficiently and effectively, and that's um, electrostatic um, units, disinfecting units. So so we were we were fortunate that we could pivot rather quickly and, and early on to help our customers with these these issues. And then the next step that we had to do was really start talking to our clients who's, who's, so first of all, we were managing our clients whose, whose employees and tenants were still in the building and how are we keeping those areas clean? And and we did have to add more staff in certain circumstances to do high touch point disinfection, regular, frequent, um, frequent disinfecting, different from just the general cleaning that we did. Because typically in an office building or a regular building, you're only disinfecting in the restroom, and you're only sanitizing in an eating area. Well, now we're disinfecting, and and the amount of time it takes to do that properly with dwell times and everything is, is has really takes quite a, it's a lot longer than just cleaning a surface. So we did have to add staff to some of those sites to be able to you know do the proper work. And at the proper frequencies.
0: Sure. Were you, were you faced with any issues? So there was a shortage of, you know, PPE equipment, for instance, was that something that impacted your business also?
1: So that's another thing that we were really fortunate. Uh, We actually have our own distribution company uh, where we buy direct from manufacturers. So we have stock of disinfectants and we had stock and, and we also have really great partners in the industry. So we never had a shortage. We did do one big um, order from uh, from China on some KN95 masks early on for our our workers that were doing the COVID positive uh, cleaning, and our healthcare workers have been fine because most of the pro- most of the PPE that they use is provided by the customer because they're in like county settings and things like that. So it's part of their requirement. Um, so I'm really pleased that we didn't have any issues. W- where we did get a little caught up on was, like everybody did, hand sanitizers, um, sanitizing wipes. Those were pretty difficult to come by, but we never ran out of disinfectant gloves and masks. Um, and, and the people in our industry, if we're not in a healthcare setting and we're not cleaning in a positive COVID environment, uh, a regular face cloth covering is fine for the work that they're doing. It's more a matter of meeting the Right now, the California requirements than them needing it as protective gear.
0: Yeah. So let's go back to the point that you brought up earlier, which is your founder's wife's background and sort of your your background. So this is obviously not just about cleaning a space or disinfecting a surface or we now really have to change the way we do things and how we behave. Um you know, give us a glimpse into your thinking about about all of that. Um, are there examples of where you know this is done very well in other parts of the world, perhaps, that you could share? Are there things that you are now realizing? Wow, this is now going to impact you know X and Y and Z. Um, I'd I'd love to hear you know what what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, specific to the way our people work, or the way people in buildings like tenants. People, people in
0: buildings, because I, I think those will be the the folks that are because I, you know, it sounds like your organization is is you know managed well, obviously, right? But but it's (laughs) managing the behavior of your clients, right? That's the that's going to be the hardest part, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yes, and that's why I think standard requirements for your building occupants is really important, and getting out in front of before they return, if they haven't already returned and saying, here are the standards, here are the requirements. We will require masks. We will require, you know, knowing what your requirements are going to be and communicating them as this is, this is what the building is enforcing. This is what the property management is enforcing. is very important that, you know, we can do our work and do our work well, but the reality is if somebody comes in who's sick and, and coughs and something lands on a surface and it's on that surface, depending on what type of surface it is, forever, how long. It's going to be there until we come back and disinfect it. And we could have just left that space. So I think the, the you know, really take the personal responsibility and accountability of the people in those environments who work in those environments is really important. Because, you know, wearing their masks, um, have proper hand hygiene, really educating, educating your occupants in your workforce is very important. I've got one client I was just talking to today. And I said, look, I said, you guys are using way too much hand sanitizer. Um, You should be buying more soap. And he's like, I know I've, we've got to, you know, we, and I said, you really need a campaign with your people about how hand washing is superior to hand sanitizer. And it's really better for them. And because too much hand sanitizer is actually, you know, can have negative consequences, um, just like regular alcohol could to your liver. It's coming in just a different entry point through your skin. And so just really, I think a lot of it is, is setting out clear rules and then educate, educate, educate. And so explaining why, not just saying we want you to do this, or this is why we want you to do this. And that's how we've gotten a shift in our employees and them really taking accountability, responsible for the work is they know why they're disinfecting. They know how the envelope virus is killed. They know and understand why it has to dwell on the surface for so long and stay wet on the surface. So because they know that, they're really engaged in ensuring that that's how they get it, that that's how they do their work. They do it
0: right. Are you finding companies actively building these procedures and these sort of new ways of, of doing things? Um, I, I imagine it's all over the place, right? Some are doing it, some you are not, know, and then different sort of level of of that engagement.
1: I think most everyone is doing something. How much they're doing and what they're doing is 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 different, and and I think it. it if it comes, if they're doing it from a fully educated and knowledgeable perspective, because in buildings, one of the biggest situations is, you know, the air exchange rate, right? Because we know it transmits primarily um, aerosolized in the air. So the first thing that they really should be working on is how am I managing my airflow in my building? What, what can I do to um, change the air exchange rate or potentially maybe even put some UV lighting in the system? Um, that's a big thing that that they should be working on right away. but they, I have seen people doing plexiglass installations and they're doing a lot of things right. um, in the building. They're, they're setting up moving chairs apart and they're doing a lot of things. But I still see a real lack of good cleaning and disinfecting practices. And they should be promoting that really well, too. And, and what are the, like you said before, what are the requirements of the people that, that are working there? To, you know, if you're in a conference room and that conference room isn't going to be cleaned for a while, there's a set of disinfecting wipes sitting there, wipe it down before you leave you know wipe it down for the person behind you so it's no longer about taking care of ourselves it's about taking care of the people around us
0: too right right so if you were to go into an, you know go into a meeting with a new client or a, or an existing client you know what are what are sort of you know what would receive kind of a grade a type of um You know, process. You know, B, C, right? What What would you recommend Mm -hmm. companies sort of need to do? Not just from a you know cleaning perspective, but also from kind of a you know trying to improve their employees' uh, behavior perspective.
1: Yeah, I think I think having clear, clearly stated and and regularly communicated expectations and guidelines is so important, and and that it's as it's changing. You know, the CDC. Is giving us new information and all the time. So you need to have what is the what is the method that you have to have ongoing communications with your workforce or your tenants, um, so that you're able to continue to update them with the latest information, and and they're able to ask questions and and suggest I, uh, make suggestions, and you're able to address those quickly. So I think the number one is a communicate a good communications program, most importantly, because even if you put a great plan in place and you put placards and you, you know, say, here's what we're doing. I think the only way that it's going to be successful is if you're having regular ongoing two-way communication with your workforce and with your tenants to make sure that they understand and know the why.
0: Yeah. And what are some of the tools of that communication program that, that, that are good? So that involves obviously some, you know, physical signage, but, but all the other stuff too. Yeah. What, what, what are those things? So,
1: there's physical signage, there's, you know, if you happen to have a lobby where people come through, you know, having or you have any type of, you know, TVs or things that can be running information, if you have a guard who could be sharing information. Um I think one client um had a has a special email box that they check, you know, basically constantly that anybody that has a question about or an idea or a recommendation for the building. Um it gets answered within twenty four hours so that there's that opportunity to have that consistent um, interaction and then having zoom meetings with your key tenant representatives you know of each of each major suite um, is another another way to do it Some people uh, have work order systems that they could maybe use. I don't know what other type of systems people are using to communicate with their with their with their Um, Clients and tenants, um, but whatever system you're using, you can adapt. Yeah. To have, you know, but it's important that it's two way, because you know people are watching TV and they're filtering and they're listening to all this news and it's confusing and scary and they don't know what to uh, what to believe. And so it's really important that that the the building managers and and the building owners really understand and are able to communicate clear, precise, fact-based information. Right. And, but it's also good for people to have a space to go, hey, I heard about this. Should we do this? And it's good for you to take that in. Maybe it is a really good idea and you want to do it. Or maybe it doesn't have any scientific basis and you want to say, hey, that's a great idea, but here's what we know. And this is why we're not going to do it. And then, you, you know, we used to say that our work was about process, product, and performance. And now- a lot of it really is about perception. So even if we do all the right work to keep that space clean, people have to feel safe to be in it. And so now it's incumbent upon us to do that as well by communicating with them what we're doing and why we're doing it.
0: Yeah, so aside from communications, what are some of the other kind of elements of a, of a really well-executed you know, cleanliness plan, if you will?
1: So from a cleanliness plan, it would be Uh, regular regular high touch point disinfection and sanitization and so that's we we actually put out an infection prevention we call it infection prevention planning program it's kind of a mouthful um and we actually step through the building from the parking garage all the way through the path of the path of 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 um, that that a tenant or somebody would walk, so what do we do to ensure that the spaces and the things that people will be touching on the way into the building are are sanitized and, and cleaned or disinfected um, Once they get into the lobby what do, what do we recommend? Well, if you can have a door that's automatic that's way better than trying to make sure that that door is, is disinfected constantly. Uh, so we make so we're making recommendations not just around our work but around things that can they can do that is obviously I'm not going to put in a, a door for them, but, but it would save them a lot of time and trouble rather than having somebody standing there with a spray bottle. Um, we love the work and we love disinfecting, but there's a lot of stuff coming out now to that overly use overuse of disinfectants is going to cause some, some respiratory issues potentially. Sure. So we want to find a way to recommend to our clients to avoid, to have surfaces less surfaces that people touch, you know, obviously, you know, the idea of, a, of a, um, a shared break area with shared utensils and things like that, no. Put them away. People can bring their own. They can wash their own. Turning those, those stations into hand-washing stations rather than just a, a sink. So making sure that there's soap and towels there so that when people want, need, need to wash their hands more frequently, they have access to it rather than just into the, in the restroom. Listing maybe the times that we'll be doing cleaning so people can see and know what's happening because if they don't see it, they get nervous, but know that here's the window of time, in which people will be coming in and doing high touch point disinfection. Spreading out what, uh, just a really simple one that I thought was interesting. If you've got a conference room where you're sharing uh, equipment like a, a TV or remote or, or a projector, having a box in that room for disinfectant ones and not disinfectant ones. It's kind of like when you go to a spa and you've got a hairbrush that you're using and you put it into, this is a woman's thing, <laughs> you <laughs> put into you know an area that's used and then they UV light it before somebody else uses it, but you've got those clean ones and the others. So um, that as well as sanitizing wipes available in, in, in shared workspace areas. Some other very specifics is there are uh, kind of like craft butcher paper uh, that you can, it's, now that a lot of our Clients have gone to shared workspaces where you're like, hey, just pull up anywhere. You They now have paper liners that are larger than your laptop that you can put down so that any space that you're touching on that surface or that desk, um, you're touching the paper. And then when you leave, you can just take that with you and throw it away. Right. So less chance of cross-contamination. Yeah.
0: Similar to stuff, surface. I guess, we all use with our with our babies when they were kids, right? Put down a little yeah. liner and have the meat from right. the liner, or, exactly.
1: Exactly, or, you know, a fast food place or a place where they'll put the liner down. Sure, you know, sure, sure. So those are just some very specific things that people are doing that that make a lot of sense.
0: How much how much effort do you think in all of this is going to be needed to actually change people you know behavior? <laughs> because I you know what I, what I'm sort of worried is yeah we go through all this process and we kind of you know maybe start doing things but then people kind of forget right that this is what what they need need to do are, are there any studies i don't know is is there any evidence that that shows that after a certain amount of time you know you do kind of change people's behavior around things I, i'd I'd love to you know hear if that's if that's an impact
1: you know i don't know but i would i would be willing to bet that there's something around recycling in that because recycling was a habitual change we all had to make right we were used to throwing everything into one place And then we had to change and we'll separate it now. Okay. So glass goes over here. Carver goes over here. Um, And I think that behavioral is something that has to be reinforced over and over again. It's just that habitual thing. So I think you always want to have reminders, signage, reinforcement to change behavior is the most important thing. So having those disinfectant wipes out in a prominent place having a reminder on the wall that this is what we do, um, really making it part of your culture that when you all leave a meeting, we say, okay, let's, let's, let's clean up now or let's swipe let's down on the way out of the meeting. I, I think it's going to have to be part of uh, people's regular behaviors. And, and my biggest concern truly is for those, um, those big open workspaces that we're all move, we've all moved to. Uh, right now where you're hoteling and you're not in your own space if it's your own space it's your own germs fine but if somebody else is using that space it's a it's a different it's a different animal and so it's really changing the way we think about caring for others in our workspace
0: and likely people's People sort of beliefs in terms of what what is appropriate. I mean, I'm sure some people are going mm-hmm. to feel you're standing too close to him or her. Others are going to be fine yeah. with that distance, and there's going to be a lot of adjustment there there as well. I expect. Yeah. This yeah. chaos has presented your organization also. I would argue with a great opportunity. Um, you know, this is a time probably when you know companies like yours sort of need to you know catch that lightning in a bottle. I suppose. Um, how are you evolving your business, and how are you preparing yourself to pivot and just be a different organization maybe five years from now, ten years from now?
1: Well, part of it is double downing on our cleaning for health versus for appearance because we were on to something um yeah <laughs> uh, so we feel like that was that was a good that we were on to something um and it's it's one of the things that that I'm really passionate about now, even more uh than I was before is is the training of our, our workforce and getting them to understand, not that just we do these steps. You know, right now, most training, most training in general sometimes is here are the steps you do. But when you give the underlying reasons why, you give some of the science behind it. Um, and people are, are smart enough. They can understand that. Then they get engaged in changing behavior, engaged in understanding. And that's why I think, you know, to your question before, lots of education is really important. And and so one of the things that we've been doing, something that's really, we've gotten much better at because of this is is our outbound communications with our workforce, as well as our, our customer base. And so now we're sending, we just sent out something to our clients about the difference between fogging and misting. And electrostatic, and what 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 is right, what you can use and can't use, and, and for corona. So that for to you know for corona, and so that's important. We're we're sending out. People are asking, what about UV lights? So we're sending them. Here's what, where, and when you can use it. We're educating them on it, um, and we're educating our people on it to be able to answer it. I and mean, I have I mean, one of my favorite stories is we have um, some of our line level people working at a, an aerospace company where engineers are asking them about how to disinfect. I mean, how exciting is it to have an engineer ask a custodial technician, yeah. you know, how does something work? Um, and, and so my passion is for us to continue to to train, to, continue to innovate. We're actually working with expert epidemiologists right now and other industry experts to kind of maximize the understanding and the validity of the chemistries that we're using so that we're not just taking, you know, a manufacturer's recommendation Uh, We're we're validating, we're doing side by side testing of, of these products um, to ensure that they actually work. They're they're the best product to use to get the best outcome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: frankly, you know, after it's kind of scary though, once you start working with these people, they're like, oh, there's stuff out there that's way worse than Corona. It's like a 50, 50 life survival rate. Right. It's all over. And I'm like, maybe I didn't want to know all this, but (laughs) um, we just want to be prepared. We want to be we want people to appreciate that our work is complex. It can be very complex and it can be simple in some ways of, you know, removing trash, but, but, but the better we get at our work and the more we understand the science of it, the more we're going to make sure that the indoor air quality is healthy for the people, for our people, as well as the people that work there. And, and that, you know, that, that it's germ-free infection. We're preventing infections everywhere we do our work.
0: Yeah. Um, I would love to hear from you. What are some myths that should be just discarded right away in terms of, uh, some of the, you know, cleanliness and habits and that kind of stuff. And then some, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe a list of some kind of easy things that everyone can do, should do that maybe they don't do, um, that sort of counter that.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, one myth would be, we, we love to call this the spray and pray method, which is somebody just comes in and sprays disinfectant and wipes it down and it's disinfected and all the germs are gone. That's a myth. <laughs> the reality is every disinfectant that, that, that is used has to be approved by the EPA and approved to kill certain types of um, pathogens. And that's why CDC has an EPA list N, which indicates which ones are approved. Not only are they approved, they are only approved to be used the way the label says. So right now we've got people going, we're going to stick it in an industrial sprayer and lay it down. And that's going to be fine because it just sprays it a lot uh, broader and it's faster. But if it comes out of that, that um, nozzle at the wrong size, it's not in compliance and maybe and not necessarily, first of all, not in compliance with the EPA's requirements And it may not be effective because that's not how it was tested for its efficacy. So, so there's myths about, you know, taking what we're doing and it's trying all kinds of different ways to do it, that, that there are very specific ways. We have to do things to be certain that it's effective. Um, The kill time, the dwell time, things have to lay on the surface for a period of time and it has to stay wet in order for it to kill. That's just, you know, a wipe, a spray and wipe is what we call sanitizing. And there's a likelihood that we've removed a lot of the pathogens from that service, but we haven't killed it right. unless it's sat there for a period of time. Um, so that's that's kind of a the spray and pray is my favorite favorite myth, that just spray it, it'll be fine. Specific to now, it's mostly around disinfecting and sanitizing and cleaning. And the general myth of if it looks clean, it's clean and healthy is, is completely wrong. I mean, carpets can hold months of dirt without being coming visible to the eye. But when you walk on it, all of that dirt actually gets aerosolized. And oh, that's another myth is that um, we don't really have to worry about floors and carpets as far as um, disinfecting or keeping people healthy. Sure. It's, there are a lot of germs on floors, and the easiest way for germs to get carried through a facility is on your feet now not that people are putting their heads on <laughs> you know on the ground or anything like that but when you when you walk some of the surface you know the dust gets kicked up into the air when you vacuum even even with using of hepa filters you are aerosolizing a little bit of what's on that surface so vacuuming and when you vacuum becomes just as important now um, and, and more important, actually, now than it was yeah. in, the, in the past. Yeah.
0: And then what about some easy kind of things that everybody should should be doing that maybe they don't from a behavioral standpoint?
1: So wash your hands instead of hand sanitize. Um, I mean, not that if you can't get to a hand washing location, then, sanitize, then then hand sanitizers is great. But it should be your first first should be hand washing. Second should be hand sanitizing. Um, that's a big thing that I want, I want people to, to really think about. Um, think about, you know, what you you leave behind when you leave a workspace. So if you have the opportunity to, to wipe down a space when you leave, wipe it down. Now, you may not necessarily be disinfect, wholesale disinfecting, but you're, 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 you're minimizing the load on that surface so that when we do come around and disinfect, it's going to be a lot easier and it's going to be a lot more effective. You know, I'm a CDC guideline freak six feet away, wear a mask. I mean, it's, it's really the simplest thing that people can do to, 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 uh, to affect transmission. Sure. And I think the other thing that um, we want to be cautious of is I think, you know, I think the next thing that we're going to have to think about and be cautious of is what I referred to earlier, which is how should we be sanitizing, how are or, or disinfecting, how often should we be doing it? And when understanding that too much chemicals too much product isn't good either so i think that's going to be you know really to jump to the next the next um thought is i think that's going to be the next thing that we're all going to have to think about or figure out
0: yeah agreed
1: how much is how much is enough and, and
0: safe yeah yeah no that is very true so Lori, if you could leave us with kind of one sort of hopeful thought about the future what what would that be
1: as it applies to our people and our work i'm hopeful that people will appreciate and understand the value of the work uh, and, and realize that it's it's probably one of the most important things they could spend money on to, to impact the wellness of their workforce. I mean, simply much better than, you know, putting in foosball tables and beanbag chairs and things like that. No, spend more money on actually making the environment and the indoor air quality healthy. So I'm, I'm hopeful now that what we've been talking about will be an easier conversation, a more enlightened conversation. And I'm hopeful that people will just take better care of their spaces on their own, take some more personal accountability and responsibility to ensure that the environment is safe, not just for themselves, but for their coworkers. Because um, it's, you know, the, the we're all in this together is really, it couldn't be any more true than when we're all in the same space together.
0: Amen to that, Lori. Well, thank you very <laughs> much for your time. Stay safe.
1: You're welcome. You too. Thanks a lot, bud.